and welcome to Veterans to Success. Now, on a giant I have with me today is Tim Redfern, and we're going to have a great conversation today. I've already we've already had a good chuckle before we started this morning, Tim. So, tell me a little bit about yourself that got you to where you are now. More importantly, about what happened before you joined the military. Yeah, well, listen, Joe, great to be here and great to speak to you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, hour or so. So I, um, I had enjoyed a commission in the Royal Navy, joined in 1988, left in Hong Kong in the end very end of 1996, going to 1997. We had no military in my family particularly. Uh, we lived on the South Coast, uh, really keen on yachting and sailing, um, but no real uh, tradition of military service. And um, I did a degree, went travelling, and uh, you know I was looking for the next thing. And I saw an advert in uh, the Sunday Times one Sunday for wanted 30 graduates to join a uh, UK multinational, will join on the shop floor, uh, trading opportunities, then will join in middle management and uh, career progression from there. And I thought, hmm, what's this then? Because uh, I'd always skipped over the Sunday Times pictures, you know, of the uh, of the of the frigate storming through the waves where, you know, do you want to be near an officer or join the Navy? And I'd always skipped over that. Anyway, went to um, a uh, uh, a meeting in Newbury or somewhere and said, you know what, we want 30 steamer officers, graduates to join the Royal Navy starting next spring. And I was like, crikey, this is interesting. So I um, discussed it further and did some further research. And so the long and short of it was, uh, I was sort of hooked into joining the Royal Navy um, by an advert that said, join this UK PLC multinational, uh, huge training opportunities, uh, huge responsibility. Uh, and it was an interesting way of getting people who really hadn't thought about naval service or joining the military into into it. So I joined and, you know, I had the best almost eight years. And I think, you know, it, it just occurs to me because uh, the UK MOD is, uh, you know, outsourcing the current, its current recruitment services for Army, Navy and RAF. And it is about engaging with people differently. And, you know, I had skipped over the advert of join the Royal Navy and see the world adverts, you know, in my graduate time and beyond. But actually, when you when you think about it, and when you discuss the opportunity with people, uh, it became a very compelling offer. And uh, you know, my wife asked me the other, the other day, "Do I regret it?" Uh, and I said, "Not for a second. It was the best, the best eight years." So, you know, with with a nautical sailing uh, background, lived by the sea for quite some time. It was it was a great, great, great career to step into, and I. You know, you, you, you work hard, but you also travel the world. You have a huge responsibility. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Now, so it seems like you were always destined, did you feel, to join the Royal Navy? Or was it just something that happened on an impulse one day? Well, it was, it was I'm not sure I was destined to, but it was a very natural fit. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed still do enjoy being you know on the ocean being at sea um so you know i joined up to as a steven says and lost the watch uh to you know to drive ships around the ocean and you know it's 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 a great it's a great privilege you know when you're early in your early early 20s dead of night you on the bridge with the captain you're steaming down the english channel going as fast as you can to overtake everything uh ships everywhere 
And it's a real sense of responsibility. Um, but, you know, we, um, I, I, I was on, on ships in the Adriatic and the Mediterranean in, in the, around the Falkland Islands in the winter, which was quite a challenging gig. Um, the time when there were lots of ships based up in Recife in Scotland, a lot of time in the North Sea, which was uh, you know, a reasonably challenging place to go, across the Atlantic, you know, quite a few times. So, you know, I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed being at sea and, you know, watching the sunset and sunrise and all the stuff that goes with that. So, uh, you know, navigating navigating warship up by, uh, you know, by sextant and astro navigation from the Falkland Islands up to the Caribbean. Um, yeah, it's good fun things. Brilliant, because, I mean, we've moved on to the, onto the question about you, tell me about your military career. So I, I know it, it, it's like when people look at military career or Air Force or Navy and think it's quite glamorous. There are sides to it that aren't so glamorous. What was... What was something that sticks in your mind about a great occasion and then also a challenging occasion? So we'll start with the great first, please. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were lots of lots of great occasions, you know, some, some quite routine, um, but equally amazing. So, you know, you see some amazing weather and you see some amazing sights as you, uh, you, know, as you are, are around the world globally on a ship. I spent two two six month periods in the Falkland Islands. Uh, one in the winter on a ship, uh, and that was that was pretty hard work. We had a remit to circle the islands every every four or five days or something, and uh, and the weather was pretty pretty horrendous. Equally, in the summer in the Falkland Islands, their summer, uh, it's the most astonishing place to be. Wow. So you know you see some sights that. You know, many people don't see, and it's a real privilege to see some of those places. Uh, and that, and that was, you know, that was really, really um, interesting. You know, the, the Navy took me to Hong Kong. Uh, it took me to Cambodia with the United Nations. Uh, you know, places that I, uh, you know, probably otherwise probably wouldn't have seen. So, you know, just being able to see places, explore places, enjoy the culture of places. And you know, I, I sent I was sent to uh, or I applied for and did a United Nations peacekeeper job with the Royal Navy or with the UN rather in uh, in Cambodia, and that was an incredibly interesting time, you know, of, of life. Uh, you know, it's a youngish youngish bloke, quite you know, some responsibility and you know, a UN mission to mop up after uh, what's essentially quite a long civil war. So it's a real privilege to see some of the things that I saw there. Hong Kong was an amazing place. And actually, but actually, you know, being in it sounds a bit trite, but being in a a management and leadership role with you know people that are serving with you and for you is a real privilege, and I really enjoyed that. And that and that brings me on to so before we move on to the challenges that you faced, and I suppose some of the challenges may come out with this next question that I'd like you to address is what was morale like? What were the men and women and and, and in that chemistry, you served on a ship that had both male and female. No, no, I um, I was serving just at the time where women were coming uh, were serving at sea. Uh, so I never served with women at sea. But uh, you know, it was it was a decision that was about twenty years too late in my thirty years too late in my view. But I mean, morale morale's interesting because um, you know I you know I deployed in the ship we were doing. Um, embargo operations in the Adriatic for quite some time. And we spent a lot of time at sea. 
And I think one of the motivations why I chose to do eight years and leave was, was well, there were quite a few people on the ship who were early to mid-30s, had done a lot of sea time, and were really uncomfortable and grumpy about being at sea, missing their wives, their children, their whatevers. And I was very much the view, well, if you don't, if you know, if that's a career you've chosen, if you don't like it, it's no point being grumpy about it, you may as well move on and do something else. So I, I, that's why I thought, well, you know, do I want to be a grumpy 35-year-old at sea doing, you know, on another deployment? Ships were reducing in numbers, deployments were increasing, so people were spending more time at sea. And I, and I, and I you know, people would say, well, you join the Navy, so you should be at sea. And I think that's a fair, that's a fair response. So, you know, I watched people just be grumpy uh, uh, about being at sea. And I love being at sea, but I thought, well, you know, I'll do this for 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 a time. Then I'll, I'll leave, and, and I'll look I'll look back on it. You know, morale morale is a thing that is is, is is you know. I remember we were in the Falkland Islands on this small patrol boat one time, and we got a whole pile of food parcels from somewhere, sort of random food parcels that were issued to the ship's company. And some some contains you know sort of shampoo and biscuits and coffee and random items and you yeah. know morale sort of soared briefly. Um, you know, a, a Sunday at sea where uh, where people aren't turning to every day, you know for for eight hours, you know, morale uh, uh, you know soars. Shore visits to interesting places, but you know morale morale is a very is a very fragile thing. You know, affected by you know by the command of the ship, uh, but by the operational tempo of the ship, uh, and you know, people, you know, people are human beings. They, you know, they yeah. need they need to be looked after. Mm. And I remember when I served in Gibraltar, and then also down at Weymouth when the fleet came in. It was like a small explosion. It was just there was just lots of adrenaline, testosterone, but it was all it was all good fun. They just w- wanted to let the hair down. Uh, sometimes it didn't turn out quite. Quite as well as they thought, but that's that's what you get when you mix young males, I suppose. It's it's interesting though because I've always thought when we went on tour, like we were away on tour for a relatively short time sometimes compared to where the navy you'll be out at sea for a while. Thank you for the feedback on how the morale went. That that's interesting. So. Now we're coming on to challenges. What was your greatest challenge? And it may well be that it was in the in your naval role. It's a good, it's a good question. I mean, you know, lead, leadership is is always a challenge, and challenge and lead, leading leading people to do things they don't necessarily want to do all the time is a challenge. You know, maintaining people's you know morale and, and work ethic, particularly where you know life is. You know, you're one is separated. You're away from home. Yeah, that that's that. Yeah, that's quite that's quite tough. And you know, in terms of in terms of um, life in the military, I think there's a constant challenge around learning and training and 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 doing new things. And then you know, you the, the next job is the job that you do that you never think you're prepared for. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, you, and I think probably if you do go into the next job thinking this is easy, then it's the wrong job for you. And that's probably actually also a lesson I, I've taken into uh, life after the, uh, the Royal Navy. So I think there's you know there are lots of challenges. You know, I, I didn't have the challenges of uh, you know a, a wife or uh, or a family or some of that sort of uh, you know yeah. family stuff that causes people to have you know have real. You know, sort of morale and emotional issues. Yeah, because that could be a real emotional challenge, can't it? If you yeah, get it, it from your family as well. 
it, it, it can. And, 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 you know, I think, I think people leave the services for a variety of reasons, but one of them, one of the real drivers to leave is a family environment that is, that is not supporting or not able to be supportive of somebody who's deployed either in, in any service, because, you know, the, it's such an intrinsic part of uh, of who of who you are. So, so you know, I mean, there are plenty of challenges in in, in my naval life, uh, and equally quite a few sort of beyond beyond there in terms of life life post navy. Nothing that I felt at the time was, was insurmountable. And and I'm glad that you bridged over to your civilian career because because what I'd like you to look at briefly or, in fact, as in-depth as you would like, is how did the transition go, you know, on that day? Because I think you left for the same reason as as me. When it starts to become a, a point where you think, well, what's, what life is beyond the military? That's the time to hand your bedding in, really, because because that, that – and, by the way – what you just touched on there, if you think you're ready for the job and it's easy, maybe you shouldn't do it. So, and transitioning from the military is probably that, isn't it? So how did you find that? Well, my transition was was maybe a bit different to some. So I um, I agreed that I would leave the Royal Navy in Hong Kong rather than come back to Portsmouth or Plymouth or wherever to leave the Royal Navy. So I, I literally, you know, handed in my ST respirator, my Naval ID card and sort of walked out on, on the streets of Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, and that was it. There was so there was that was my transition into um, you know into civilian life, albeit the one I'd chosen. So there was no there was no sort of support network or you know or or, or program of transition. Um, but but equally, you know, I I had chosen that course. So you know, I, I had a job lined up, which was a, a, an operations manager at the, at the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club, which was a brilliant sort of job. Um, sounds, but I think the that sounds pretty. I'm pretty cool. I, I, th- I think I think there's a bit about the, the first job you do post military life isn't the job you'll end up doing, uh, uh, and that was the first job I did. And um, so you know you do all the things and you get a flat, you uh, you know do all the stuff that uh, you didn't have to do before. So my transition was 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 different, and and you know the time Hong Kong was um, there was a huge number of. You know, Brits, Europeans, Australians, New Zealanders. Um, it was just prior to the handover, and it was still. It was still. There was still a huge amount of uh, you know, positive sentiment towards um, you know uh, sort of the British. It's 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 certainly changed now. So you know, I, I did that uh, job for about a year, but knowing knowing that it wasn't the job I wanted to do, I wanted to get into. Shipbroking and ship selling, and that's that's what what I ended up doing. But you know, I think I think you need there, there is there is a trend there is a transition out of the services, and and you know one of one of the points I would make very strongly is that the first job that somebody does post leaving the service probably won't be the job then or the career they end up doing in the longer term. But kind of don't worry about it. Yeah, because uh, you'll, you'll you'll find your way. So you know, I I did a year there. Then I I then sold um, worked selling ships in South Southeast Asia, and you know that was a really to the point about challenges earlier. You know, you you lead the services, you know, uh, young, thin, arrogant, uh, happy, thinking you know a lot about a lot. But actually, I learned a huge amount 
just me in Southeast Asia, South Korea, the Philippines, Japan, whatever, selling ships and talking to people. And you realize actually, whilst you know a bit about something, you know, there's lots you don't know about. So that was a real learning journey in terms of, you know, um, uh, in terms of people, um, uh, developing relationships, people, people choose to uh, deal with people they trust and like and and you know developing this personal relationships incredibly important so uh, you know uh, and being culturally sensitive uh to to what uh, what people need so i then spent i don't know 3 or so years selling selling ships which was you know an amazing amazing career i learned awesome. a lot about people uh, a lot about what motivates people and uh, you know that was my then my sort of transition then into at the time it was GC Marconi that became that became British Aerospace, Aerospace that became BA Systems. So uh, we, we ended up coming back with uh, to, to work in a joint venture, a BA Systems joint venture. But that really? was that was my sort of transition out of out of the military. So it wasn't it wasn't quite the normal UK transition with ne- and there was no network of support, but equally that was the path I'd chosen. Well, I, I'm not this fabulous because I've never, <laughs> it's not like you can have a, a a bunch of ships lined up on a forecourt where people come around and kick the tires. I mean, what, what's the process of selling a ship just to go off piste a little bit? Cause I'm, I'm interested in that. That's different. So it's, it's no different to, to selling anything else. I mean, you, uh, you identify somebody that needs something. So we were selling um, these very high-speed, fast craft, these fast ferries that go between inter-island stuff. So they're probably, I don't know, from between, I don't know, $5 million US dollars upwards, let's say. So, so it, you know, it was a real, it, it was a real campaign. So there's a bit about them understanding the product. And we had this amazing amazing product they were beautiful they were the fastest on the market um you know built by some amazing um uh designers and engineers so it was very much around you know the product it was very much around relationships so we would spend i spent a lot of time in south korea and a lot of time just spending time with these you know ship uh, uh ship owners and ship company owners and you know developing developing those personal relationships. So, you know, we'd drive three hours to some city in South Korea and, you know, you'd be desperate to talk about that thing and get designs out and, and they go, and they say, no, no, we just, want, we just want to talk today. And <laughs> so you'd sit cross-legged in a room drinking tea and eating raw fish and 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 you just, and then you'd come away thinking, well, cracky, what, what did I achieve in that three hours and for that whole day because it was three hours there and three hours back? And, and the answer is a relationship. Uh, yeah. And and they very much wanted to establish the relationship and the credibility of not just the product and the and the uh, you know the, the, what they were buying, but each but the, but the people and the company they were buying it from. We would then help them raise finance, and we would help them with you know all sorts of things. And they wanted it blue or green or red, we could do that. And and so so, but it was you know it was probably for some it was probably nine twelve months from initial meeting through to uh you know through to a signed contract and then through to a build and launch which is a great it's a great great circle yeah and and it's interesting one thing that's coming through very strongly throughout throughout what we've discussed so far is it's all about everything is about building rapport building relationships gaining confidence because 
I mean, we've had a few meetings now, um, and and we've we've off offline and during this conversation, we're exploring things about our past that we would never ever have found out had we not taken the time to build rapport, trust, and mm-hmm. and realise that we have a common aim to help veterans really to be and guys who are leaving the military to get more equipped, better equipped to deal with the transition and also bring them together with business entrepreneurs as well, because that's, that's what we do. So what's the secret? This, this uh, uh, may take you a second, at least to process. What's the secret of your success? <laughs> I'm not sure about success. Um, what's, I mean, you know, but by the way, by the way, uh, by the way, Tim, you can, you can, I'll allow you to look at success success in whatever guys you want. It doesn't need to be wealth, monetary. It, it could be emotional, anything, just something to give that snippet, that golden nugget. No, sure. It's, it's, a, it's I mean, Joe, it's a kind of question, isn't it? So, so I think, I think, uh, as you say, success can be measured in 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 a variety of in a, through a variety of lenses. You know, I think, I think, um, I think you need to be. I am, I think, and I think people need to be authentic because uh, 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 if they're not, people see through what they what they're trying to be, and they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think you 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 need to also trust yourself and trust your instincts and, and accept that it, it isn't a linear journey between A to B. It goes via or, or A to A to A to Z. It goes via a few other places and goes backwards sometimes and sideways. And uh, and actually, you know, it it it, it doesn't go the, always go the way you know I'm. I wanted it and people wanted it, but people do want it. But I think you need to trust yourself and trust those around you that you'll get there. Um, as I said, you know, being, being genuinely authentic, I don't you can reinvent yourself uh, or you can, but I don't think actually it's a, uh, it's a, it's a long-term route to getting to where you, where you get to. Listen, you know, I'm no different to anybody else. Um, you know, people, I work incredibly hard and, and, you know, People, people do work incredibly hard. Maybe, maybe to the cost of family life. You know, sometimes you know you you're so focused on work that uh, that you know, family is sort of sometimes passes you by a little bit. But but I think having a strong work ethic is really important. Um, and you know, and coming out of the military, I don't know anybody who hasn't got that ingrained work ethic. I was talking to a chap uh, yesterday that I'm working with. And he's been out of the military, the army, for quite some time, but he still goes for his five-mile run at 5.30 in the morning every morning um, and is in the office at, you know, 6.30, an hour of quiet time, then he's on to it at 7.30. So, so you know, these sort of in, ingrained disciplines around work ethic, around integrity, uh, you know, all those things that people who leave the military for whatever reason tend to have – so you know, I don't think that there's any there's any single secret to success. You know, do this and you'll be successful. But you know, be yourself, trust your instincts, work hard. Yeah. Um, you know, treat people with respect. And then they, they, they sound a bit trite. They sound like they're truisms, and but I don't think they are. Um, no, not, no, not at all. Because sorry for cutting across you. I just I just wanted to pick up on that because. Do you know, it always interests me where if you're 
listing all receiving emails and people saying, oh, make this overnight. You can get this and it's really easy. Make 20K per month or whatever. And if there was one piece of advice that I give, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, please tell me if you don't, that it's not nothing there's no silver bullet there's no easy fix it's 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 a whole chain of events like waking up in the morning and smiling number one make your bed number two <laughs> and i'm sure you you you've heard of that and then just because i remember uh, and especially well in the military we were taught to make our bed because that was our place no matter what went on in the day, that was our one place that we could come back to and we knew was ours. And I, th- I think that it's so right what you've said about success. It's not one thing. I think I think being authentic, though, pretty much puts it in a bag, really. I think so. P- people, people will see through you. Uh, and do, and you know, trust is uh, trust and relationships are so important. And you, you know, it takes you months and years to build up that trust, and seconds to lose it. You know that I, I, I would, I would certainly major on that. And when relationships haven't gone so well, or, or other things, business or personal relationship, how do you tend to deal with failure? What process do you use, if any? And I'm sure you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, failure, things not going the way you would have wanted to. Uh, you know, there, there, are some, there are some, uh, you know, that, that's often quite a tough lesson, isn't it? Um, you know, um, there, there is a bit about, there is a bit about, um, I think there's a little bit about being grumpy about the failure or the, you know, the way because something hasn't gone right, but actually then stop being grumpy and deal with it. And, you uh, uh, you know, and 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 learn from it. Um, you know, e- either in the business sense or in the personal sense. And it's very easy to wallow in sort of. Uh, you know, don't don't they realize what they've done? Don't they know how important I am? Uh, uh, or don't they realize what a mistake they've made? Doesn't matter. That's the, that's that's the course of action they've they've um, they've landed on. So you know, I think there's a bit about. Okay, well, let's just deal with it and learn in that and in, in where we go from there. Um, and you know, it's hard. And, and you know, in 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 business, particularly where you invest a huge amount of time and energy, um, particularly in business winning, where you're bidding for for stuff and you you you're invested, you know, emotionally and mentally with a team of people, and it might be a, something that you've been working on for two years and you don't win it, and it's it's incredibly hard. But you, 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 you know that's the, that's the nature of, of of the beast. You know there, there are there are winners and losers, and I think actually that's also one of life's lessons that there are winners and there are losers. You know we can't all be winners. So so you know in that context of where you know where in a business sense of you know if a business has been unsuccessful, then it is about you know learning from that. What next? Taking the team with you because you know it's pretty hard. You know you invest. You invest years and years, or a couple of years of, of, of life in a major campaign, um, and I saw it when I was selling ships. You know, they they decide right at the last minute that they um, that they want to, or someone's done something, yeah. you know, made the often better deal. Or you know, I I, I got to a signing. Um, we did just gain very quickly back to ships, but we um, we were all set to sign a quite a big contract for a fast ferry, and um, had all the chairman of businesses coming in to sign it. 
And the night before, this guy said to me, um, we can't sign it. Uh, you know, the, the price isn't right. Uh, and they were just blackmailing us, knowing that everyone's flying in from all around the world to sign this contract. And you, and you have to deal with these things you know, in quite a sort of dynamic way. Mm. And, and you know, they, they were just trying to exert a bit of pressure. But, you, but you, you know, you, you need to go, how do, I, how do I now deal with this and where do I go from here? Yeah. Um, interesting times. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, like, in, in the engineers, because, as you know, I was in the Royal Engineers, yep. and we just used to say, build a bridge and get over it. Because, and sometimes, and, and, and you, you said something that, that picked my ears up, don't they realise what they're doing or don't they realise who I am? <laughs> when you let someone else's problem become yours, it can be quite demotivating, can't it? Yeah, it can, and you know, if as as long as as long as there is, um, you know, there is a there is a rationale and a process, and you can unpick why you didn't get to the place you thought you'd be, um, then you, you just have to deal with it. Um, yeah. You know, um, otherwise, otherwise, you it's easy to spend a lot of time being introspective, um, and actually, you know, life moves on, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You, you've all, I, I would. Would imagine you've got a great process for this because, right, you've stepped off the ship in Hong Kong. You've gone to work uh, uh, in in the, this. I would imagine was quite a luxurious place. Then you're going to ship broken. How important do you think having a good business network is and a social network? So both, um, both, both are hugely important. I mean, business networking is hugely um, helped by. Uh, you know, by the likes of LinkedIn and those and those business platforms that that help you be connected to. And in fact, in fact, you know, Joe, that's how you uh, yeah. how you took the time to find me. But having you know, having and maintaining a a, a a business network, which is you know, is is a two way relationship. So where you know where you get something out of that relationship, but equally the other party does. So it's not a sort of you know one way. I keep phoning you for information, or I keep you know phoning mm. you because I need a favour from you, or. A, or a discount. It's got to be. It's got to be a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh, so, so you know, I think uh, I think um, people people spend a lot of time developing quite big business networks, and there's probably only a few people in those in their networks are are, are you know where there's a, a, a value added relationship. But I think you know. But I think uh, the ability to maintain relationships over time and reach back into people, and and you, you know, you, uh, your point about bridges is really important. Uh, maintaining relationships because you never know what comes around in two, three, five, ten years. So, yeah. uh, so um, whilst you may think, well, he's a complete idiot, I'm not going to deal with him again. Uh, do you know what? You, you may need to or want to in a few years' time. So, so you know, business networks hugely important. LinkedIn, those software platforms help. But actually, I genuinely think that face to face relationships are really important. Um, and you know, the ability to look somebody in the eye and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and get a feel for them, but both both ways is really important. Uh, and the, the, it, that's interesting as well how you how you touched there on on bridging. Are overcoming difficulties because it, you may well feel that sometime in a relationship you're not the person for me uh, be, because, but it, sometime in the future they may well be. And and one of the things I like about networking is it's who else is in the the network that they can introduce you to. And and again, I think recipro- reciprocity 
being reciprocal. It can't just be an all one way thing because then you'll just be seen no. as a monster, won't you? I, I, I think one of the values of networks is is where you can help people, and you know I get reasonably frequent requests for, you know, what do you think about this? Can you help me with this? And I'm I'm always you know very happy to do that because I, I, I've relied on that on on those support networks in you know years years gone by, and still and still thank you still do. So so there is a bit about giving giving back to people and helping people. Uh, and it's much easier. Say it's it, it it's facilitated by you know by the internet internet now, which is much easier. But it does mean that people can reach out and you know I and I'm very happy to help people because people have helped me. Fantastic! Thank you so much for that good feedback. Going taking you back now to sailing around the Atlantic, the North Sea, and being on the bridge with the captain. How important do you think it is having a good coach or mentor? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I I've benefited from being a coachy, and uh, uh, you know, in, so so probably the, the, there is a lots of there is lots of um, unstructured coaching and mentoring in the military. You know, you look to senior people, and they and they consciously and unconsciously give you advice and and steer your your thoughts and actions. I think in industry there is, you know, I've, I've enjoyed a much more structured coaching relationship. I was, I was a coachy actually throughout my career. I had, to, I had some, a couple of amazing mentors who would really help me with some kind of wicked problems around stuff. I then did a, um, I did a professional certificate in coaching at Henley Business School, um, and I then you know, used that both in the formal coaching environment, but equally in terms of just sort of managing people. So the value of a good coach is 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 huge. I then you know, work with an amazing executive coach, uh, Alison Gaynor, over the last few months. So the you know the value of a of a structured coaching relationship is so it's so powerful. Uh, and you know, I, I did a as I said I did a qualification at Henley Business School, and it's the best one of the best things I've ever done. So, so you know, having and, and having a mentor mentee relationship with somebody uh, is 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 incredibly is incredibly powerful. And um, you know, I, I would not to be giving anybody advice, but you know, just getting in grounding and coaching and helping people is such a good thing to do. And I, you know, one of the best things I did. Um, but because because you know, I've really enjoyed and uh, the benefits of being of having a great coach who really you know helps you with stuff. So, no, I'm a huge fan. That's great. Uh, and it is interesting that you noticed that in the military, a lot of coaching and mentoring goes on, and it's not actually call that. And, and whilst I've been in uh, civilian street, then I've also, like yourself, gone on accredited master coach uh, for executives. And, and I feel that the relationship that you can uh, build with the coachee or mentee mentor is just fabulous because you can really understand how they were, what the issue is, the challenge, and get them over it. And, and, a lot, and I, I often say, build a bridge and get over it because I think that's a great mantra. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, because no problem is the greatest solution. Does that make sense? And, and, and I mean, that's come through definitely. I mean, we could talk for hours, I know. Uh, we haven't got hours, unfortunately. But yeah, that, that's fabulous. And talking of which, what skills 
do you think are transferable to civilian life from the military? And and how transferable are they? So so I think I think there is some there, there is some soft skills and there is some then some hard technical skills. So so the, the soft stuff we've kind of touched on before, you know, around integrity, around work work ethic, around commitment, around working in a team environment, um, around um you know, being being very goal focused, um, and, and they and they kind of come with the territory of having done X years in in uh, in a military environment. Clearly, then there is some there is some hard skills, be they technical qualifications, be they uh, skills either which you know which may which may be through an accredited learning process. So, so I think I think there's a there's, there's a mix of there's, there's there's two things to this. There's a, there's the softer stuff, but equally there are, there is there is some stuff, and and you know it's getting a lot 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 better. But you know the, the military has been always been very poor about understanding the the civilian equivalence of qualification and competence. Yeah, yeah. So so I think I think and it's getting a lot better now at, at doing that. So so there is a directly. Uh, there is a more transparent read across in terms of in terms of the skills, competence, qualification of people. So I think I think there are, there, there are two baskets for it. Which one is more important? Um, I don't know is the answer. I mean, I think I think I think technical skills you can always acquire. Uh, some of the softer skills you've either got or you haven't got, and you kind of almost can't you almost can't teach some of that soft stuff. Whereas if I want to learn how to be, um, you know, whatever, uh, did pick pick up trade qualification, I can do that. But 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 you know, some of the softer stuff is harder. So so, and I think the military is getting a lot better. Uh, a about uh, recognizing civilian uh, equivalence in qualification, and actually being able to fast fast track, but offer career sort of career pathways out of the military into. Either government or you know other uh, other organisations in, in a in a in a in a in a better in a quicker more transferable way. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a mix of things, Jane. And I've noticed on LinkedIn now the profiles are <clears throat> in civilian speak, and then I'm thinking first of all when I'm reading it, so what did they do in the military? Because I am converting that back, and and yeah, so that's interesting to see that. I, I think there must be some guidance being given, uh, because when I left, then what would you say, combat engineering, uh, which means absolutely nothing really, but the the skills that you learn with that are immense. Um, so yeah, I am saying for yourself. So I suppose it's when you when you look at what you need to achieve, then I always think about who do I need to become to achieve that? Yeah, or whether, whether it's who or, the, or what do I need to achieve that? Because I mean, I think, I do think that, um, uh, that, that there, are, there are, you know, great opportunities to, to attain civilian qualifications in a number of areas, either in the services or in, in, in indeed post-services. So, so I think I think it's becoming, I think it's becoming much easier. I also think that um, that the the balance between a military being a job and a career is also changing, and people, some people are viewing it, a, it as a as a 
as a shorter term, shorter term role to attain qualifications in order then to do something else, which I think is is maybe different from uh, uh, from from a few years ago where people probably saw it as a career. Yeah, the question that I always love asking is, what is the one thing or the one tip, uh, tip, the top tip that you would give to someone leaving the military that will help them achieve the success? Crikey, I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think there's one thing. Uh, so, so my top one would be, um, would be under, I think, understanding your value in an organisation. And, and not just not just in terms of remuneration and salary and pay, but understand how you will contribute to that organisation, and I could understand how how they will support you. So, so I think I think think about think about the fit, uh, and you know, I guess one of the one of the learnings I would offer is that. Whilst remuneration and pay and all that stuff is hugely important, I think probably the, the thing of greater importance is fit and culture. Uh, and I think um, you know you can be in a great job that pays well, but if, if the cultural fit isn't right, then then it becomes a really hard graft. So you know, um, so understand your value into an organisation, understand their culture, and and really think about whether you're going to fit into it, um, because you're probably not going to change their culture. Um, uh, you know, joining an organisation, so so cultural fit, the, the most important thing. Understand where you fit in that organisation. I'd also, as I said earlier, you know, the first job that someone does post military service probably might not be the job that they're going to or the career that they end up embarking on that doesn't matter it's all it's all part of the journey isn't it mm-hmm. and, and and you know and, and trust yourselves and take some risk um because as i said uh you, you know you, you don't know where you'll end up in two years time or what network of people you will uh you 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 will establish or or, or indeed where you'll be in, in in a few years time so culture fit trust yourself you know, go on the journey, recognizing that you know where you are now may not, may not be where you end up in two years' time, or three years' time, or five years' time. Equally, you might fall into the perfect job and the perfect fit, and that's you sorted for career two for the following 20, 25 years. I don't know many people have done that. That's that's fantastic uh, tip. So, what I've got from today then is build relationships, be authentic, build a bridge and get over it because I know you've adopted that now. Use your soft skills as your strengths, integrity, work ethic, goals, and the technical qualifications can always come afterwards. And then the top tip is about understand your value, which I think is just magnificent. And because you've got to have the cultural fit has got to be right. Trust yourself and take risk. So what else is there? Um, What else is there? You know, I guess, I guess, and it's easy to say, uh, but you know, you need to enjoy the journey, don't you? You know, it's um, particularly as you get to, uh, you know, as you go on in life, things happen, and you know, people fall ill, and these things, you know, thing, thing, problems occur. So, um, you know, and enjoy the journey. And there's lots out there. There's lots out there. The the one last thing. So, what's the future for you now? How can talking about re- uh, reciprocity? How can people help you? How can you help? What's the journey for you next? What are you looking for? 
Yes, I mean, I'm, uh, I've had 21, 22 years in sort of defence and sport to defence and I'm currently consulting into a number of organisations, uh, helping them grow their businesses. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope to continue to do that and, uh, and you know, add, add value where I can, Joe. But, you know, I think, value where I, I, think, but I think this type of conversation is really important because helping people transition from the military into, you know, into their second career is so important and if i can you know if i can help people doing that with the likes of this type of conversation then great really happy to tim thank you so much for spending time with me uh today it's been absolutely amazing an honor always an honor to speak to a fellow veteran uh thank you and take care absolute pleasure take care